Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we hang out with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to connect with them and gain insights that provoke our greatest creative breakthroughs. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, a mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artist in my own right. And I welcome you to another episode of The Modern Recordist. has gotten off to a fantastic start and that uh, you're feeling full of creativity and fired up to take action on some new ideas, you know, that you're uh, already writing a whole bunch of killer songs or producing some new albums or whatever it is that, uh, that fires you up as a music maker. I've personally been taking a little bit of space to decompress after uh literally working all the way up to the final hours of 2017 i really did i i uh released an episode of this podcast on new year's eve literally hours before we got into the new year because i'm i don't know i'm just crazy like that and so that's what i wanted to do and that's how i kicked off the beginning part of my New Year's Eve, I, I did finally make it to a, a party eventually. I'm not that crazy, but um, yeah, I will consume myself with work. And so, yeah, I need a little bit of space to um, to take it a little bit slower um, because I just I have so many things that I like to juggle and I keep myself pretty busy and uh, fill my time with a lot of passion projects and stuff that I really try to make something out of it and uh, juggle that with, with my, with my other work. And so, um, uh, I just really needed to give myself permission to take some, some space. And so that's what I've been doing the last week or so is just kind of, you know, having some ideas here and there, but just not really being super, um, uh, intense about it or formal about how I go about doing things and and just allowing myself space to just uh, not really have an agenda and uh, it's been great you know it's been it's been really good so you know I think that's an important aspect of of um, a creative is uh, you know really just to take time off I mean to you know more or less take a vacation right I mean that's not a revolutionary idea but uh, in a way it kind of is because. 
you know, as a creative, I think that it's it's kind of hard to allow yourself space because it's almost like all the time everything is somehow folds into work somehow. I mean, it's just somehow it's the way your brain processes just experiences and everything that you do. You're always just kind of thinking and obsessing on your craft and creativity. And I don't know, somehow everything that you do seems to just kind of fold into that. So... Yeah, it's important to, to figure out a way to take time away, and and oftentimes that's you know in the pursuit of something else just outside of music. You know, for me, it's martial arts and jujitsu that really does the trick. You may have your thing, you may not, but if you don't, I encourage you to find your thing because it's just so important. But in any case, uh, we are back and uh, kicking off the new year with the modern recordist. And uh, with this first episode of 2018, and here we are, and uh, it's going to be another great year full of great episodes and great conversations with artistic visionaries and thought-provoking, innovative ideas and innovative insights, uh, starting with this episode. Uh, If you're a new listener landing here at the top of the year on your quest for new podcasts, as a lot of us do this time of year. Uh, welcome to The Modern Recordist. Thanks for giving this podcast a shot. And uh, I do hope that you stick around. And uh, here's how you can do that. You can uh, get subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, so just fire up one of those apps, search for The Modern Recordist, and click or tap the subscribe button that you will find there. And while you're there, take a quick second to leave a rating and review. Good and honest ratings and reviews clue other people in to the value that you're getting out of listening to this podcast. And uh, it helps us communicate the value to potential guests, why it would be worth their time to be on this show so that we continue to bring people on this show that that, uh, you find insightful and that help you and you find entertaining and thought-provoking to listen to. And it also helps us to make sure that we continue to produce episodes that you're getting something out of and that uh, are you find valuable. So it helps us to know that. It's a, it's, it's a good mechanism of feedback. So fire up your podcast app of choice, iTunes or Stitcher, you know, the Apple podcast app or Stitcher. Search for The Modern Recordist and click or tap the subscribe button you will find there. And take just a quick second to leave a rating and review. And uh, if you want to make sure that you're really in the loop, head over to modernrecordist.com and sign up for the email list using any of the forms that you'll find all over the site. And this way we can keep you up on all the latest and greatest it has to do with the Modern Recordist. And this includes key episodes that you may find particularly interesting or insightful and helpful. Uh, then even further beyond that, tips and recording tricks, microphone techniques, um, you know, mixing tips, songwriting, discussions, discussions on creativity in general, um, other resources that we find that may be useful to you and we, we, we think are valuable and, um, even giving you the heads up on some, some other things that we may do, like create, you know, our own resources, maybe 
online workshops or live workshops. We'll keep you in the loop on all of those things. So go to modernrecordist.com and sign up for the email list that you will find. Uh, you'll find the forms all over the site there. Okay, our guest today is somebody that uh, I met a few years back and I've always enjoyed talking shop with him and we don't get to hang too often, but we do. When we do, it's always uh, super high quality and, uh, you know, this is somebody that, uh, he came by my studio a few years back and he was talking about this new idea and it's really cool because now this idea that he was talking about back then has actually come to fruition and I was over at his new space yesterday walking through the brand new build out for this this thing and we'll talk all about it on the podcast but uh you know he's heading up a nonprofit organization in the music industry based here out of Nashville and he really knows his stuff when it concerns uh the business of music and the music industry and our modern times and how all that has evolved and changed so much over the past couple of decades, and I really enjoy talking with him about that kind of stuff. So here, talking about his new venture called Home, helping our music evolve, as well as a bunch of other topics that we get into, such as data-driven marketing and you know the just getting distracted with constant skill building that can take you away from just focusing on your vision and your craft. We talk about a lot of stuff. On this podcast, and I, I think that you'll be particularly interested in in this new venture that uh, called Home that he's he's working on. But in any case, friends, please welcome to the Modern Recordist, founder of Helping Our Music Evolve, Logan Crowell. We're in, dude. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy Thanks New for coming Year. by and uh, and hanging out, man. Yeah, good to see you too. Yeah. And and you might want to just get a little bit closer okay. to that. Um, to the mic. Cool. Right on, man. So you just had... Um, you've been busy. And I can't remember the last... So the last time you and I hung out was... Uh, After Music Biz. Yeah, and that was in May, right? Last May or something like that. I think that? so. Been it's been it's been a it's been a minute, mm-hmm. man. And and so like, I don't know. The second half of 2017 flew by really fast. Heads down, I was I, I've kind of been working on some some other projects, but clearly you've been working on stuff too, man. And um, and you just it was the launch, right? You had a big launch. Soft launch on New okay. Year's Eve. Okay, yeah. a soft launch on New Year's Eve. So you're coming off of that, but that was for um, the home. Yeah, helping it, our music evolve. Do you mm. call it home? Like an or you for refer to as an organization or you? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an cool. organ. It's a nonprofit membership organization. So, cool. Yeah. Right on. Helping our music evolve. Home. And so that's been your, that's become your, uh, a big focus of yours the last, what, like year, year and a half or something like that? Yeah. Um, 2017 was definitely, um, the, the big year for home. I'd been, um, you know, woodshedding and, and, and making a lot of, um, sort of preliminary moves to put some pieces in place during 2016, 
getting it all established through the IRS and uh, starting to build the the uh, tech platform that we use. But I was simultaneously finishing up at Belmont, mm-hmm. so and doing some some other stuff, uh, but didn't you know really have the the time to to devote to it that it that it really needed. Yeah. And then uh, once I graduated, I started uh, early 2017. Deciding it was time to to really uh, bring it out into the community and start talking about it, and uh, yeah, here we are, just a year later, and um, it's all happening. Yeah, it's man, it's almost cool, finished. man. So, um, so I think it was like uh, early. It was like early last year, maybe like a year ago, not quite a year ago, but I, you had gotten. Um, well, I mean, first of all, you may want to even we can go into detail about exactly what home is, you know, and your concept okay. for what home is. So, helping our music evolve, it's a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, why don't you explain a little bit more, kind of in detail, because we sort of just jumped in, but uh, kind of give an idea of what it act, what the kind of the mechanics of it are. Yeah. So, um, it started as just a, a the recognition that there wasn't a sort of central hub or organization in place in Nashville of all places um, to kind of catch the influx of music creators and aspiring music business professionals that are moving here all the time to, you know, come to, come to Nashville, um, kind of jump in with the, the, the creme de la creme of, of the uh, producers and musicians and everything else. And, and there's there's no real starting place for them. There's not a physical location um, that's there to to just you know catch people when they come into town. Oh, that well, that's where you go to kind of get plugged in and um, start networking and so on and so forth. And then once I started really thinking about that, I you know I started thinking well. You know, it sounds kind of similar to like what NSAI is for for country music songwriters. When, when if you come to town as a country music songwriter, uh, Nashville Songwriters Association is there with an open door. You can come in and, and kind of get acquainted with the um, landscape of being a songwriter in Nashville. They can, you know, if you're good, they'll put you in front of publishers very very quickly and kind of fast track you into getting you know, uh, a pub deal or, you know, potentially even getting some cuts and stuff like that. And um, so I started thinking about that. And and what I realized was at Nashville Songwriters Association, they have writer's rooms. So I said, well, if, if there were something like that, but more kind of on the production side and not necessarily on the songwriting side, you know, maybe our facility could have a studio in it. Well, maybe it could have rehearsal space in it. Maybe it could even have a place for people to perform. Um, and then that's, I think, when I realized what a what a big idea it was mm-hmm. um, to have a not only a helpful organization um, to you know educate and um, you know help musicians network, but also an actual facility that has um a good space in it where they can you know create together yeah um, so that's that's basically what it is it's a it's a shared um production facility yeah. it's a rehearsal space recording space and performance space um and it's all under the same roof 
And, you know, um, Monday through Friday, 10 to 7, uh, during business hours, anybody and everybody can just kind of walk in and see what it's all about, take a tour of the place, and um, see if it's a good fit for them. Yeah. So Killer, man. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So, um, so you, like we were kind of, I think we were actually before the mics turned on, you kind of hatched this idea. This was something that you've, you've had this idea you know, for a while, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. because you and I, we were, I was thinking about when you and I first crossed paths and you came out to the studio space I had in East, uh, on the East side, we were like hanging out and talking, you know, but when I had first met you, this project wasn't your, wasn't your, your main focus. Right. right. And so you, uh, so, so you've had this is an idea that you've had for a while and kind of been thinking about thinking about it, kind of working on it in the background. But then I guess this last year is when it kind of took. Right. Yeah. Um, finally, you know, the the key was always finding a space. So that was always going to be the trickiest part. I remember in 2016, I had the I originally conceived of the idea um it was, I believe, like January 7th of 2016, so almost exactly two years ago today mm. um, that I conceived of the idea. Because I remember you, you talking to talking a little bit about it. Like one of yeah. the first hangs that you and I ever had, I remember you brought it up. And I don't know if you had this name for it no, or, I, or whatever. But, I don't think I did. Yeah. I, I remember sitting there and talking to you about it and... It was a very, you know, it's still very formative. Um, it, it, there, it wasn't really crystallized in my mind exactly what it would look like as far as day-to-day operations and, and how it would function. Uh, but I just knew it was a huge need that for some reason had gotten overlooked. Um, that basically if you, you know, if the best artist or producer in the entire world, okay, let's say the best undiscovered artist or producer in the entire world strolled into Nashville today and started asking around, Hey, I'm, I just moved, moved to town. I'm trying to, you know, network and mm-hmm. grow my music career. Where should I go? And, you know, the answer, I guess, previously would be you go to bars or you go online and, and, and join Facebook groups and yeah. you, you know, try to work that angle and, and you keep an eye out for some um, some networking functions or something yeah. like that. And, you know, that's that's totally, you know, those are those are good resources to have. But to think with this many uh, music creators in this town who are all basically here to do the same thing, which is just build a music career, um, to think that there's not a centralized organization to 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 basically get all of that organized, to get yeah. people lined out um, and help them understand a little bit better the landscape and especially the, the ins and outs of the music business because, as I'm sure you've, you know, it's, it's so much more about the business side, you know, than it really is the talent a lot of times. Um, so, you know, to have like a just a basic support system with yeah. some some educational functions sure. and, you know to get everybody um kind of at least asking the right questions and and kind of traveling down a path that that makes sense on the industry side 
um, as opposed to just, you know, going at it as a creative, you, you, you tend to get really, really caught up as a, as a creative in your, you know, in, in your, in your artistic vision and seeing that through and, and sort of, you know, finishing that song or, you know, um, getting that gig or, or, um, you know, working on that project if you're a producer, that it's, you know, it's really hard to think through, okay, well, what happens after that? What happens after the song's mastered? You know, what happens after um, you play that gig? Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's a few things like, you know, I'm thinking about, because I grew up here and in town, you know, and, uh, and I've, I've seen that I've seen Nashville change and evolve. I've seen Nashville where it was sort of one town for like the first 20 or so years of my life. And then after that period of time, somewhere around like right around when I, graduated college start to change and then somewhere like after I had kind of entered the industry and sort of the workforce probably like a handful of years after that there was some sort of I don't know inflection point or something that it hit where it just rapidly changed more I feel like I mean it's just it's been a whirlwind for this town in the last like five to ten years or something, mm-hmm. and it's just like uh, this exponential growth, I believe. You know, and it's just w- once we hit this inflection point that I feel like was somewhere around like two thousand five, two thousand seven or something, things just started to rapidly change in this town in a lot of different ways, faster, you know, than like the for the first twenty years of my life you know growing up growing up here it was all it was pretty much just like it was constant and granted you know at that point in time I was you know most I was a completely different mindset you know a high schooler or a middle school or a younger kid and you don't really think like that and you're right. not really ex- all you're really exposed to really is like your social circle at at school and like kind of what's going on that's related to sort of those kinds of things. So there is definitely that aspect of it, but I do believe that that there is some real truth to, to, to my observation of just that once we we kind of hit this point, you know, uh, in the early two thousands, that uh, it just things rapidly changed, like you know, it, it just really threw threw things through a loop, you know, and with that, so with that. You know the, the the way that music is created here because it's always been a music town, but the but you know and there's always been a lot of different types of music that's been made here, but now a lot of the stuff that's been considered underground is not as underground. You know, there's still an underground scene of like rock music and experimental stuff and all that, but um, but a lot of that a lot of that stuff kind of bubbled to the surface. Mm-hmm. Even the people who are kind of here for what you know. Like if they come here for country music or some sort of thing that's been more of a mainstream traditional type of thing and those type of pursuits, even those types of pursuits, you know, it's evolved. It's different than it used to be. Yeah. You know, and how you go about and the industry itself, the music yeah. industry itself has Absolutely. changed and how you just, you know, and it's very interesting because, you know, you see like like this last year, 
in, all through 2017, I had a lot of experiences where I would listen to like country music, and I would go constantly like to the people around me like. There's no way this is country. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like <laughs> pop music and stuff masquerading as country and everything. And I'm not saying that to disparage the genre or something. Right. I'm saying it as an observation of like, wow, like, dude, things are crazy now, you know? Yeah. And just, just. No rules. Yeah, yeah. Trying to, trying to sort of deconstruct it and be like, hold on, let's like pay attention to what's going on here and sure. these trends and stuff. And just how interesting it is. And in a lot of ways, I, my comments are, are like almost like, wow, look at the opportunity now. Because when you break down these sort of preconceived notions and these sort of rules, and I've always been a guy who's felt like I've been sort of not, all, not really in the commercial mainstream type of way of doing things. And mm-hmm. my draw to music and the records that I've worked on have been more in sort of the indie rock and you know, so when I start to see things like that cropping up in like mainstream country music, I'm going, dude, this is great because I know how to, I know how to play that game. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but, but anyway, I'm kind of, my point is that like, you know, through the years there have been, it's, it, I felt like there's been all these kind of like silos of different sort of groups of music makers that are, you know, with, with the rapidly changing landscape of the music business and then just like the influx of everybody like coming to Nashville yeah. and going, no, wait a minute, what do we do? Right? Yeah. And everybody, you know, people, there's all these sort of different ways to kind of go about figuring out what to do. And there's people who will sort of, they'll try to create their 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 group and some some kind of, organization or something yeah you know but but like sort of it's unofficial because it's like you know these groups of artists there's a few of them that come to mind like there was um there was a group 10 out of 10 they're still kind of around but but like 10 years ago they were a way bigger deal you know i mean like there was a much more bigger presence of those artists were around but it was a whole bunch of you know it was like 10 artists out of out of they called it 10 out of 10 10 artists out of tennessee making music you know Mm. and and that weren't the kind of thing that you would expect to hear of the Nashville music scene of mm-hmm. music makers and stuff. So there was those people kind of, and the whole idea is like banding together to sort of let's, let's help each other out. But, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like it was a record label or anything. It wasn't like it was any kind of like, uh, formalized organization. It mm-hmm. was still all these individual artists at the end of the day, trying to advance their careers. You right. know what I mean? And then there was, um, Oh man, there's a there's a few other ones that, that that I can't remember, but but you know, and there was like Music Mafia, I think even predated Ten Out of Ten. You know, it's 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 there's been a lot of those types of things that have come up, and people trying to you know, and they come and go, and it's just interesting because right. um, you know, and and through the years I've tried to figure it out, like de de decode that that whole thing. It's like almost like it feels like it almost feels like I did move somewhere, even mm-hmm. though I never did, you know. Yeah. Because, because this town just changed under my feet so much with so many different people moving here. So it's all been really, really fast, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, my my really my point in all saying that is uh, is that there there never really has been, even though there's been kind of attempts to do something where it would sort of galvanize a group of people together under a common interest and be a formalized way to to kind of go okay well here's where you start 
Mm-hmm. And then here's what you can do next. You right. know, Carve oh, you path. need to meet this person. Oh, you two would work good together. You mm-hmm. know, and just kind of give people a place a place to land, but have kind of a formalized way of going. You know, like okay, cool. I can start to come up with some ideas about what's next, some real viable things mm-hmm. that can be like what's next, as opposed to. You know, these older, these other models that people were doing that were less formalized was more like high school cliques. Like, I'm the new kid that just got to this high school. I moved here from another place. Uh-huh. And, okay, there's the math club over there. And there's the jocks over there. You know, there's the artists over there. I don't know who, like, who, he fit and in you're with. trying to go and, like, get accepted at one of these groups and you're not really sure and you're the new person. That's kind of <laughs> what it's felt like before you know so having something that kind of makes a more formalized thing you know yeah um and you know the idea is that just by creating a bridge between the industry and the creatives who more often than not just don't really understand the industry um the music industry is super weird Mm -hmm, i've That's the reason that I came to Nashville and ultimately decided to go back to college and study at Belmont was because I was an artist and I knew that I, I knew that I knew nothing about the industry and that that was what was holding me back. And I remember getting online and and like trying to, you know, just like everybody does. It's like how do you make it as an independent artist and stuff like that. And like you get all these crazy you know, answers like, oh, well, you just have to, you know, be on social media constantly. And then, you know, and and then there's there's some stuff that makes a little bit more sense, like the thousand true fans thing. Yeah. I, I've seen you mention that. And I, I, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, but the issue is just literally not understanding historically the way that that the music industry was established and the way that it was ended up being segmented, um, you know, the revenue streams that, that like intellectual property generate. And then the changes that have come since everything is, is now so, so data driven and digital. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's so much, so much now just, about um you know showing some real data yeah you know um you know i've heard it said that um you know record labels don't invest in in artists they invest in small businesses yeah and you know i think that there's a lot of truth to that you you can find some exceptions um where you know especially some some indie labels i think are still taking some chances uh on just raw talent Mm -hmm. but for the most part um you know, it's become about, you know, at least getting it up to a certain point to where you can say, hey, it's like proof of concept. So any yeah. any real business that's, you know, going to start up, whether it's a, a, a tech company or even a new, you know, Asian fusion restaurant, it's like you're going to you're going to have to kind of prove the concept before you end up getting investors on yeah, board, right? right? You're going to have to prove there's a demand out there for what you're doing. Right. Whereas historically it was the guys with golden ears, right? That yeah. the the A&R guys that could hear somebody and they say, "Oh, 
that's going to be a star right there. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's there's legends about guys that I can't remember any of their names right now, but I've, I've read some stuff about some guys that, you know, they're sort of batting average, if you will, of, you know, picking, you know, artists that were going to be, you yeah. know, majorly successful yeah. was, was really pretty phenomenal. Um, but since uh, now, you know, there's so much data available out there, um, you know, be it streaming data, social media data, um, or, you know, uh, marketing data, there's just, there's so much out there right now that if, you know, if a band is, is really kind of crushing it on their own without the, the help of a label or, you know, a, 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 an investment, you know, team, if you will, then, um, that all of a sudden turns into these like little blips on, on the industry radar. It's like, yeah. I remember sitting in Belmont. It was so funny. And, um, it was, um, the manager for 21 pilots was in there and they said that, you know, they just got wind of, um, a band, you know, I think where, where's 20 Illinois or something, maybe. I, yeah. Somewhere I don't, in the I don't Midwest, really follow them right? yet. Oh, it might be Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. yeah it might so, be Ohio, yeah. Anyway, they were like, they got wind of a band that was, you know, selling out like, you know, 2000, 3000 person venues yeah. and didn't even have a manager. Yeah. And what's the first thing that happens there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they, they flew into town to take a, you know, right. to try to, to, to get a meeting with yeah. them and, and uh, you know, lock them into a management contract, and I think that's worked out really well for Twenty One Pilots. Um, so, you know, it's it's funny going back to what I was saying about just the the creatives don't quite get that that's the biggest shift. That you know, um, ultimately, right now you kind of have to prove it. You know, mm-hmm. you you kind of have to prove it a little bit, and once you've proven it to a certain extent it's actually not that hard to get the agent or the you know label or the manager or whatever because you can point to real data and you can say hey here's what i've been doing on my own you know this is you know going back be it social media engagement be it these streaming numbers that i've been racking up and now you know especially with spotify for artists uh insights that have come out where they can even, you know, they'll they'll let you know your your geographic right uh, listener data. Yeah, there starts to is get amazing. some. Yeah, there starts to get some more drilled down yeah. demographics. And so, and if you're smart about it, you know, um, there's a tendency to like in the in the business for people to latch on to the like the one key metric, like like you know, I remember. Back in 2005, was how many MySpace plays do you have? Right, you and, know, and that was the beginning of the whole data driven. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and it's it's gone through, you know. And then there's like how many Facebook likes. <laughs> there's been several things. Now, right now, the big thing is how many Spotify streams. Yeah. How many people follow you on Spotify? It's yeah. all that. And you know, there's this tendency for a lot of people, you know, whether it's industry people or whether it's artists that are totally indie trying to get the attention of industry people to everybody just like starts to get really this myopic view on this one thing. But, you know, in reality, you'll see a lot of other people who are like outside the music space who are building these sort of, 
you know, companies on the internet, whether it's like an internet marketer or it's a book author mm-hmm. or some kind of other thing that doesn't have anything to do with music. And if you sure. follow people like that, and they're always talking about, you know, don't build your brand on these these platforms that are like super popular because they go away. We all have seen this happen. You need to build your platform on the thing that you own and drive people over to that. And here's why, and they start, you know, listing off why that's an important thing to right. do, right? So you're saying websites, email lists. Yeah, there's all, yeah, yeah. all those things, you know, the things that you can control. And, sure. And, and so, like, you know, with Spotify, you get some information, but you get the information that they'll allow you to have. So mm-hmm. that might be geographic stuff. There may be some, I don't even know, I haven't looked at the what all you it's get. It's all pretty new. They just released it a couple months ago. So, um, I've, I've barely even really looked at it that yeah. much, but I, I did look at it enough to know that they're finally letting out geographic data because, yeah. I mean, from the standpoint of a, of a show promoter, an agent, or even just an artist wondering where I should go try to do a tour, yeah. I mean, that, that data is... You know, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and, and so, I, yeah, like I said, I don't really know what, what it is, and it's pro- I mean, certainly it's great stuff. Like, if they're going to, whatever data they allow you to have is useful. Mm-hmm. But do you compare it? You can compare that with like if you had some or other thing, some other asset that you're building, an email list, a, a mobile marketing list. You, maybe you had a podcast, or um, you know you run your own website, or you know these other things that that you own. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that generates data as well that can either be compared to. The other platforms' data, or maybe some of that those data points are even more uh, specific. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, for example, you know, Spotify—they give you geographic data, but you know, not to creep anybody out, but if you sign up to my email list, mm-hmm. I know exact. I can go on a, I can look on a map and see down to like the street corner that it was. That where it was, was open? that you <laughs> that's cool. that you subscribed, you know, yeah. and you know that's that's not to like you know that can not to be creepy about it, but I'm just saying that like you know, and it doesn't really it is that's not really super useful anyway. It's as long as you know what town they're in. It's like oh, I've got like ten thousand people that that you know in New York that think this band is cool or something, mm-hmm. or ten thousand people in my case, ten thousand people. You know, in New York, that subscribe to my email list, that gives me something to work with. You know, but I can also look at some some other data that may be similar but slightly different. That that you know, in Google Analytics or podcast downloads or whatever. So I think you know, I, we sort of I don't know why we focused on this, but but <laughs> but you know, I think there is this tendency of people, you know, that they get like. Somehow, somebody somewhere becomes a thing where people just get fixed on this one sort of number, you know. Uh-huh. And a lot of times, Spotify, that big number like Spotify, say follows or Spotify streams, streams or something, yeah. you know, uh-huh. those kind of like two key metrics that might not be the most important thing, like you know, like. There might be some things like that might not really tell you about the potential for true engagement with those people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, You know, for me, it's really just, again, about helping. I think that 
you know, the there's even a lot of, you know, just helping people think through that, you yeah. know, and, and understand that that's one of the things that they can use to, to again, prove their concept, to prove a demand, um, you know, for their, especially their, their actual, like, produced music, yeah. you know, where that may or may not, you know, mean anything is can they back it up on the road yeah. because it's still not Spotify's still not paying out enough to to for anybody to really make a great living uh until you hit that you know sort of superstar level yeah. but it is something that you know it, I could you know realistically um use those numbers to help build my team um and so what I have a tendency to tell people, um, and what home is, uh, you know, a big focus of what home is, is going to be, um, sort of, I guess, delivering to the, the, the members is, um, team building. It's, mm-hmm. it's building one's team because, yeah. um, the, it's really, really, you know, it's tempting to fall into this DIY artist mode um, or DIY musician. Um, I know I did it personally. I was like, okay, well, it's not enough that I've written a hundred songs, that I play five instruments, and you know, that I'm you know performing at these shows. I have to learn how to make websites. I have to learn how to edit video i have to learn how to you know edit photos and do Mm -hmm. graphic design i have to learn how to admin social media and check analytics and so on and so forth and you know that's those are all good skill sets to have as an entrepreneur but as a musician i mean i think that a lot of times it just it pulls your focus away from just being a, a an amazing you know musician and performer yeah. and being able to captivate an audience because yeah. without that you know you can you can you can get a little bit of money from streaming you can get some money from licensing and there are certainly other ways um you know publishing and stuff like that um if you're a great songwriter or a composer um but you know to 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 break it big you got to get on the road Right, you got to get on the road. Do you think so? Do you think that you still have to do that? that I that's think still, so. Man. That's still a, a yeah. huge important part. Absolutely. Even to, to break even, it big, I even said. with even with like the exposure. Do you think? So you don't think that like having the ability to say you know work focus on building some sort of podcast, email list, YouTube channel, something like this would would trump in the beginning at least going on the road and touring. I mean, it just depends on what your goals are. Mm-hmm. So for an entrepreneur, I think that, yes, you're right, that you, those are the things that you should be focusing on is getting your sort of infrastructure down. So those are the things ideally that, you know, once your podcast grows to, you know, X number of listeners, that's something you can leverage to, you know, if you find an artist that you're like, hey, man, you're 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 awesome, you know, but for some reason nobody knows about you yet come out here and jump on my podcast and mm-hmm. maybe you know another 10 20 50,000 people even you know who knows hundreds of thousands of people the right um influencer which i think is more what you're talking about is influence versus just you know 
basically a you know a performing musician mm-hmm. um and influence certainly plays a factor in it i i mean there are influencers that are getting uh record deals i know i saw some weird article about the girl from uh the catch me outside thing right did you see that oh, i haven't seen this she got a record deal um for I guess the fact that she has such a huge social media following. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with who I'm, I'm talking not, about? No, I'm, I'm not. She was on some talk sh- talk show, um, and she's famous because um, she was like a, a, a problematic youth or whatever, and her mom brought her on whatever talk show that is, Maury Povich or Monta. I don't know uh-huh. what those things are. Yeah, right, but, right. Um, <laughs> As the story goes, she's like, no, um, you know, she just kept popping off at everybody on camera. Catch me outside. Catch me outside. How about that? How about that? Oh, she was and, like, it was like, she was like, um, yeah. Um, uh, what do you call it? She, she, was, she was, she was, she was gangster, dude. Yeah, super. She, she was like taunting people. Yeah. yeah so yeah. apparently, it was so funny, like just comical that she grew some sort of presence uh-huh. on social media out of that. And a, a substantial one at that. And um, turns out, I want to say it was Atlantic um, last year, last fall, ended up signing her crazy to a, a deal because they knew that with her influence, with her um, presence and her engagement that she was getting you know, on social media that they could at least guarantee, you know, to recoup their investment yeah. in in her. And not only yeah. that, you know, when somebody's already famous, you don't have to spend a bunch of money to make them famous. You right. just got to spend a bunch of money to make them sound like they yeah. are a musician, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. which can totally be done. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, I'm not saying that it has to be done one way or another, but I think that for most people, for most Nashville musicians, I would say, and this might just be a blanket statement, but um, for most Nashville musicians that are coming here, uh, they they want to they want to play Red Rocks, you know, they want to um, they want to you know really play big venues mm-hmm. and and um, you know share their music with as many people as possible and most of the time in a live setting um you know and that just simply it it can't really be done as a diy there's just no way to do it yeah you know yeah i mean well you definitely you definitely need a team i think that huge team yeah and i think that i do think that that and I, i i'm with you i fell into that trap too and I think that early on, you know, around 2007, you know, pre-2012, I think things kind of changed around a little bit. Or, you know, people still definitely buy into this idea of just like DIY and we don't need a label because there's – we or, you know, it could be we don't need a label or we don't need whatever. You know, pick mm-hmm. your thing. Right. Because we have the internet and because now the internet, you know, and social media, usually it's that – the internet and social media has empowered us to be able to do it ourselves and mm-hmm. get our get the exposure and all that kind of stuff you know but the reality is that you know your 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 great enemy is obscurity and when everybody kind of in a sense everybody is kind of famous or whatever i mean the average what the average social media Profile has somewhere around three hundred to five hundred connections, followers, fans, whatever you want, whatever that right. platform calls it, right? Yeah. So everybody kind of has, uh, 
has some circle, right? And they're, everybody's kind of like talking about, look what I'm doing. Everybody's trying to get their number <laughs> bigger. Whether you're an artist or whether you're just whoever you are, yeah. you're still trying to get more people going, oh, what you're doing. Look, this guy can do backflips. This or guy's whatever. life is cooler than yeah, my life. Yeah, right? playing that game. So you're still going to be battling this sort of obscurity. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so how do you break that rat wheel? You know, the the do-it-yourself kind of thing, you, you have to think about, well, what's working and what isn't working is and is do-it-yourself really the right way to think about it because because you can't be an expert in everything. Meanwhile, what your actual, you know, product, I hate to say that about music, but, but your art is suffering because that's where you need to be putting your focus on creating something mm. world-class and innovative and worth remarking about. Right. And Time managing wasting. social media is not <laughs> doing that thing. No. So... And, and there are... the You know, what I try to tell people is like, there are people that are already really awesome at social media and digital yeah. marketing that if you're really good, you could get them on your team. Or there are people that are really awesome at editing video, you know, and... and you know, it's like I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was like, he's one of our new members, and and we were talking about just kind of some of his goals, and I was telling him about some of the production workshops, and he's like, yeah, I really want to learn to mix, and I'm like, well, do you want to be a, you know, a great musician, or do you want to be a right. great mix guy? Yeah. Because I don't, I, there just simply aren't enough hours in right. the day, I don't think, yeah. to be <laughs> both of right. them. Right. You know, um, totally, and. You, there's just a sort of misconception because you can buy the gear right. and it's, it's more affordable now than it's ever been. Um, and it's smaller, more compact. You can have all the plugins you want that make you sound however you want to sound. And but but just because to, you have them doesn't mean that you're going to be able to make they that don't, yeah. you know craft there's that a sound. Huge yeah. difference between you know something that you know is an okay you know produced self-produced thing yeah. and then something that a that a real you know bona fide mix engineer spent 20 hours in front of his monitor oh, or yeah, more right, listening yeah, to yeah totally you like, know and the, the guy who's like the audio engineer has put in his t- like where you put you're you're working towards your 10,000 hours playing guitar being a singer or right, songwriter performing yep this guy has put his ten- working on logging his 10,000 hours towards crafting you know using the studio as an instrument as a space to realize a vision uh-huh, you know exactly and something that I've been you know I've been listening to the Mark Marin podcast a little bit more lately and he has I don't know if you've ever listened to it it's it's a pretty good podcast um but he has on a whole lot of different types of people, a lot of actors on. And mm-hmm. it's been interesting because I've been listening to, because I'm not in that space at all, but it's it's fun to listen to, to people in that world kind of talk about their craft. And these actors, you know, I think that they're a little bit better. Like, like actors are good at focusing on their craft in a way that I feel like the modern musician kind of isn't. Mm-hmm. And actors will go, like when when a person wants to come up as an actor they're like let me let me work on acting let me find ways find outlets to participate in that they don't right. think about well let me i need to be a good to be the cameraman, cameraman. <laughs> yeah. i need to be a good lighting guy i need to edit stuff or whatever <laughs> you know exactly some filmmaker type people might do that 
But most people who are like, I want to be your quintessential Hollywood actor, uh-huh. you know, they're not thinking like that. Right. And so when they start talking about their craft, these people are a lot better at thinking about and understanding the importance of collaboration mm-hmm. across a group, collaboration with with a writing team, collaboration with a director of photography, collaboration with the general director, you mm-hmm. know, collaboration with other actors, collaboration with acting coaches, collaboration with just, you know, people that, that just to be able to pull from a well of experiences mm-hmm. and things in a way that I don't feel like in the music world and the circle that I've been running in, in the last handful of years, there's not that same, those same types of conversations that are had, you know, and people don't, you know, these up and coming artists, a lot of times don't think like that and think about the importance of collaboration. So rather than me sitting down and buying a Pro Tools rig and scouring YouTube to learn how to do it and like reading books or whatever, um, let me go find a guy who's really good at this and collaborate with him because the because he's going to have he's going to hear my music mm-hmm. and my vision and have a perspective on it filtered through his own experiences that I never would have had mm-hmm. and if I'm open to this collaboration then I and I'm willing to to let go in the right places yeah ego right? yeah. yeah remove the ego and get out of my own way in the in the right places you mm-hmm. know uh, then this I can let this creative piece flower open in a way that I never expected it to, and it right. could potentially be way better than, than ever. I even heard in my head, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're just a silo working on all this stuff on your own, it it I think that it comes across. I think that it beco- can become flat and boring because it's like too much of you is on it, you know. And there's yeah. not enough. It it it, it it's just too much of one person mm-hmm. you know and it, it just leaves it, it there's a dimension that get, that's lacking there so man I, i'm glad you brought that up because yeah. i think that's where a lot of this diy stuff started was when like pro tools and computer recording and stuff uh-huh. really got affordable and kind of exploded there was a move from let's just let's not hire a producer or let's not hire an audio engineer or whatever. Let's just buy the equipment mm-hmm. and do it ourselves. And I think that's a sneaky little insidious thought process where you you think that you're being effective in, with your art, but you're actually kind of getting in your own way a little bit, tripping over your own feet, I think. Absolutely. And I, that's a great, you know, that's a great segue into just, you know, looking at, you know how how home is set up and the you know that's just one of the fundamental concepts about it is that okay we want to take the burden off of you to to buy all that expensive gear you know and to treat your space and to do all this stuff and we just want to put you around a whole bunch of other awesome people mm-hmm. who can give you feedback you know whether good or bad you know if you can't take it then then maybe it's not the place for you but mm-hmm. if you can let down your ego and be among your peers and let them give you feedback and find people that whose whose skill sets complement yours right yeah whether that means a, your ideal drummer or guitarist whether that means your producer or your your engineer your <clears throat> whatever it is you know your your content creation team but, you know, 
taking away that that burden of like all the stuff that's so expensive you know the probably the most expensive part is just having a room that's shaped properly you know and that's a lesson that i learned Uh (laughs) over the past few months is how expensive that is you know um but you know there are mathematical proportions to to shaping a, a a control room and you know and then treating it and then the gear that goes into it you know to 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 get a world class record, you know, you don't necessarily need the million dollars of outboard gear that you used to uh, need, but there are still certain pieces of the puzzle that you don't want to skimp on, and so to to put that all in a shared space where you can just kind of pay a membership to have access to it instead of having that burden of of buying it and then learning how to use it. You know, um, I think that we'll see some, I really believe, and and I'm just going to jump out there with this, that that it's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. You know, I call it a a gym for musicians. That's one of the taglines that I use to explain it to people when they say, well, tell me what it is. Give me your elevator pitch or whatever. Well, it's a gym for musicians. You know, when you want to get in shape, you don't go out and buy, you know, the... (laughs) The squat rack and all, and the barbells and the, no, you you buy a membership yeah. to a gym, right? And then you go in there and you try it out and you see if you got the discipline that it takes to actually do it. Yeah, you know, you might even get a, you might even get a personal trainer too. Yeah, exactly. You can and you can join the fitness classes where they'll teach you yeah. how to lift. Yeah, and um, you know, not only that, there's this thing about just being around people that are going to hold you accountable. Yeah. You know, the times that I've been in the best shape in my life, because I, I used to be quite the, the fitness enthusiast, uh-huh. um, but the times I've been in the best shape were when I have a, a workout partner or even a couple of workout partners Yeah, who I know that they're going to be there at the gym at 9 a.m. Right. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it makes me go. It makes me get out of bed. It makes me go in there. And then whenever I get in there with them, there's there's a little bit of, you know, competitive spirit sure. to it. Um, and, and you know, you, you really give it a little bit more effort than you would if, it, if nobody's watching. You're like, right. okay, well, I'm going to go through the motions today. I'm going to get up out of bed, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through my scales, right? At the very least. I may not sit down and, and write a whole song today, or I may not you know, really dig into some, some, some guitar technique, but I'll just, I'll run my scales for 10 or 15 minutes. Right. But if you're around other people that are pushing you and, and that you're learning from and you see, you can see the level of talent that you're ultimately competing with, um, it's going to push you. It's really going to push you to Yeah, and to a lot of times those kinds of situations aren't... It, it, sometimes it is like healthy competition, and sometimes it's just sort of this osmosis process. Like, I remember... Yeah. You know, like, in this sense of... Well, I have a little bit of both in personal, you know, in personal life, fitness, and then just, like, in the community, in, in building business. But, like, you know, I can remember personally when I got out of school like you know i went to belmont as well and i studied audio engineering there and Mm -hmm. audio video production and stuff and i was really into studio work right i I was just that was just firing me up at the time and 
you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I want to make records, you know? And so I went down the street to a, to a studio and got an internship there and quickly realized I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And I freaked out for, you know, a month or something, just being like, what's like, what is life? Over your head, like, yeah. what is life? I, <laughs> what have I been doing? Like, I don't know anything. How am I going to learn all this stuff? This is crazy. And struggling to understand fundamentals, struggling to understand, you know, just like fundamental concepts of record making and really internalizing what actually does this piece of equipment do? What actually is the optimal way to use it? How come when I record a guitar, it doesn't, I don't like the way that it sounds, but when this guy records a guitar, I like the way that it sounds. And then I'm just hanging (laughs) out with... Same guitar, same room. Yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) and and, and hanging out with, uh, then just like... Hanging around people who are Grammy award-winning people, hanging around people who have worked on multiple, multiple platinum-selling records and stuff, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, you know, a year later, I'm like, "Wait, how am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. my stuff sounds really good now. I yeah. understand." Somebody asked me a question about, you know, do X, Y, Z or whatever, and I just know how to do it. And I remember having a moment, like, you know, after like eight or so years of, of making records going, wait, like, how do I do this? Like, what, how does it like now, how does it, you know, just really trying to, cause it had just become such second nature to me. Now it was like being un, uh, like unconsciously competent mm-hmm. of the, of the skill. And, and that I really truly believe that came from because I was, I spent years Sitting at a recording console, doing nothing but just watching and listening to the people who had won all the Grammys do their thing. Absolutely. And after just sitting there in the presence of those people for like three years, four years straight, I somehow absorbed it and started Mm -hmm. being able. Now, along the way, there was some elements of like, you know, competitive, you know, in in certain aspects of it too. But that was, I really was just that experience in my first gig at a recording studio coming up from you know intern cleaning the toilets to um to like a a guy on staff you know uh, mm-hmm. a a house engineer on staff recording for people and aligning tape machines and recording guitars and you know comping vocals and doing things um this the most standout kind of when i reflect back on it was just like you know just being next to the guy mm-hmm. who knows how to hit a home run it, you absorb that, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Um, a former mentor of mine, and I think he, he got this quote or saying from uh, Pat Metheny, maybe. Uh-huh. But he said it was whenever I was first learning to um, play with bands and perform because I had kind of... Uh, switched from being a, a drummer and percussionist to, to being like a guitarist and a front man and then trying to be a band leader and, and actually get the guys to play what I want them to play and everything. And guys that are, you know, better, you know, technically mm-hmm. and more proficient at their instruments than, than I was, but I was the songwriter front man or whatever. And, you know, I was like, you guys are just all so good. And it sounds weird for me to like, tell you what to do or ask you, you know, to, to play a certain thing. Yeah. And he's like, he said, you know, you just, you always want to be the worst person in the band. Yeah. He's like, that's what you want to be yeah. because that's how you're going to learn the yeah. most. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't still, you know, 
be, you know, the artist or e- even the producer, you know, it's like I've, I've produced a, a few records now and my, you know, engineering knowledge is minimal, mm-hmm. but, you know, I was in more of a executive producer role and, um, you know, asking people to, to do stuff and just kind of jumping over my head, jumping in over my head, um, because I, I felt like I had a vision for it. Yeah. Right. But then, like you said, you, you get around people that are really talented and that do know everything that, that you don't know. And it just makes you that much better. Yeah. And it makes you that much, um, more fluid or, you know, it makes it that much easier for you to actually bring your vision to life, whether that's as a, you know, record producer or an artist or whatever, you know, just, just being around it, you know, just jumping in and saying, Hey, I may not be the guy in the room that, that knows everything, but I've, I've got something to say. I'm here, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. Um, It brings up what you're saying. There's a couple of, a couple of things that you said that brought me back to this quote that I heard from this guy. Um, he's kind of a marketing guy, but, uh, uh, it really stuck with me. People, uh, what is it? It's like, um, People with skills work for people with ideas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you know, when you think about the people who have built these huge tech platforms or whatever, I mean, like Steve Jobs. It was known that Steve Jobs was not the best computer engineer. Right. But he had the best ideas, and he mm-hmm. knew how to put together the best computer engineers to execute those ideas. Exactly. That's it, the thing. Eventually, he learned how to communicate well with well enough with his engineers to take his ideas and manifest them into exactly what it was that he wanted to see or and probably a lot of times the engineers bounced another idea back off of him and they together made it better than it would have ever been right um so yeah absolutely man so much happens through the collaborative process and just having a, a, a real community of of you know, um, professionally minded people yeah. that are, that are pushing you forward that you can, that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can leverage to, yeah. to create a team and to make things happen that you just right. can't make happen on your own. Totally. You man. So. Yeah. So we started out in the beginning, you know, and I was talking about kind of, I said, asked you, uh, run through the mechanics of what home is. And we kind of, you know, we went, we went from there, but you know, to kind of circle back around to that, as we sort of start to get towards the end of the end of the episode, uh, maybe you know we can uh, how we can paint the picture of what it's like because you've got some currently you've got some people there's like memberships you've yeah. got some open homies. memberships now homies yeah. is what you call them. yeah Sweet. homies yeah. cool man so you've got some people that are that are now enrolled in the organization as members. And so are the, are they, um, are they musicians? Are they producers? Are they both? Are they songwriters? Is it kind of like a number of different types of people? Yeah. Um, it's actually, um, all of the above. And what I tell people is our sort of target, you know, uh, mix, uh, or, or ratio, I guess, of, of, of people is like, I want to see somewhere around 40%. Uh, musicians, artists, bands, around the other 40% being uh, producers, um, engineers, and like, you know, lighting people, you know, mm-hmm. show production type people. Um, and then the other 20, the leftover 20% being, you know, the 
you know, the managers, content creation teams, uh, you know, label types, agent types, stuff like that, that can, um, come in and kind of, uh, cherry pick who they want to work with out Uh of the community. Um, because, you know, it's one thing to have a good freelance clientele built up, but I, I think that, you know, and maybe I'm speaking for, for more people, but, I think that people want to work on great projects ultimately, yeah. right? I mean, it's one thing to have a little bit of money in your pocket and get, yeah. get paid to do what you went to school for or whatever. That's cool. But to be working on a project that you think is going to be huge and that sometimes turns out to be huge yeah, is really where most people that I've met in Nashville want to be. And so we're trying to knock down the cost of all that, <clears throat> the cost of networking, the cost of production, the cost of content creation. Um, so just real quick, I'll kind of walk you through what it looks like. You, you can come in the front door, like I said, um, Monday through Friday, 10 to 7. It'll be just you know our business hours. You could come in and get a tour, but this is a 24-7 space. If you're a, if you're a homie, then you have a key card to this place. You can mm-hmm. be there anytime you want to be there. There, uh, when you first walk in the door directly to your left, there's a big open lounge area, and then kind of in front of you to the left is our reception area. The lounge area would probably comfortably hold uh, twenty, maybe yeah, around twenty people, um, and then you can immediately take a right into a big open space that. Um, could you know fit i mean it's easily big enough to be two rehearsal rooms but the point is you know to build community so we wanted to make it one giant rehearsal room it's a big open room that um is going to be uh set up for plug and play rehearsal and also for multi-track um audio recording and so i know you probably have some it's called the modern recordist so i know you have some uh you know, kind of, hopefully you have some, some techie type people listening to this. So we're using, um, the sound grid by waves, uh, protocol to run all of our audio over ethernet. Yeah. So it, it, it does away with the need to have a control room. You can dock, you can dock your machine. You could take that laptop right there that you're using to track this and you could go in there and dock into the Ethernet in the lounge and track anything that's going on in the rehearsal space yeah. if you want to. Yeah. And use it as a live room. Yeah. You don't have to, but you could. Yeah. And it's super cheap. Cool. For for charter members who, who who have signed up before our grand opening, which is February first. So for the for the charter members, it's ten bucks an hour to be in this room, which is next to nothing. Yeah. So you could exit that room, go down the hall, and in the hallway there's a co-working area. So there's a there's a bench there, and that's basically for all the types that I was talking about, the more business types, the people that have an alternative to coffee house life. So so many people I see working out of coffee houses, um, and they'll sit there on their laptops all day drinking coffee, and get, they'll get their work done that way, just get out of the house. Yeah. So we're going to have a place for them, too, about... Uh, 15 to 20 seats there, um, just place for you to sit up and, and work on your laptop. And then you can take a ride into a sound lock um, that separates the control room from the live room. And you can take another ride into the control room itself. And we have this big open control room that, 
again, is, you know, mathematically designed to um, be a great listening environment. Mm-hmm. And the control room's huge. It's big enough to easily fit an extra 20, at least 20 people in there in seats um, for uh, basically production workshops yeah. or just to sit in on other people's, you know, projects, learn from each other, you know, Um but it's a it's a it's a it's an awesome space, and and then adjoined to that is an ISO booth, and the ISO booth can you know fit a couple people comfortably in it. it. It's not big enough to track drums in the ISO booth, but it's certainly big enough to you know do some vocals, guitars, and stuff like that. And then so you exit that and go back out to the hallway, and that takes you to some double doors which open up into the event space or live room. Uh, so all these. You know, rooms have multiple functions, and the concept is that each room can function independently or they can function uh, in tandem with one another for one giant project if you needed to, to do it. Um, but in the, you know, the, the live room is probably standing room, about 150 people or so, um, and... We what we did for New Year's we set up a stage um, truss lighting um, you know really really dope PA system and sure. and we had a big dance party yeah. in there so killer man so so there's so there's live events showcase type stuff that can happen there's uh, the ability to uh, rehearse bands can rehearse there's the ability for people to network and mm-hmm. start to form some sort of collaborative relationship there's you know producer type people to come in there and go what's going on here who that these people have some cool ideas maybe i can form a relationship with them and kind of you know um there's there's all those things right and then you also have uh you have intention to put on flagship events like you said this you yeah. know the thing the new year's soft launch that was kind of like hey let's party have fun but you've also got like intention, I think you and I have talked about this a while back. Is like uh, workshop type absolutely things come in. presentations and different mm-hmm. kind of like educational type events and things like yeah, that. Too, our, yeah, our our January calendar is live right now, and we're doing everything from vocal workshop uh, with Wendy Parr, who uh, is vocal coach for like Sarah Bareilles and Regina Spector. Um, we're doing a <clears throat> a cool um, seminar from uh, a guy that runs a talent agency here locally called brave enough um that focuses on the college market which mm-hmm. is notoriously uh well paid you know well paid gigs and also very hard to break into yeah. and he's been working in that uh area for over 20 years cool so he's going to talk about how to how to break into that um we're doing a, a seminar on uh different types of entertainment contracts that are commonly overlooked um uh, band agreements and split sheets and and work for hire stuff, collaboration agreements, stuff that if you get it done on the front end will save you a whole yeah. lot of headache and legal yeah. trouble on the back end. Cool. Um, and and then we're doing a, a swap meet every month. Okay. The homie swap meet where cool. you can either bring in. Uh, we don't really care what you bring in. You can bring in audio gear and trade. You can bring. You can trade services. You can trade clothes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The idea is to kind of bring back the barter system a little bit, and uh, you know, all work off each other's. You know, whether you're just trying to get a new piece of gear and you got some old stuff that you want to trade to somebody else, or, or whatever. Whether you can trade a, 
you know, a recording session for a, for a website or, you know, what have you. Just, you know, leverage each other's strengths. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for, the, for the producers, each month, starting in February, we're going to do a Pass the Ox Chord Night, which is basically okay. like an open mic for producers cool. where you can bring in, you know, your latest project among your peers and uh, put it on, I like a, that. on a great system nice. and pass it around and get, yeah, killer. you know. Listening party. There's, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a member of the producer engineer wing at, in, in the Grammys, and they haven't done, they, they used to do periodically, I think they called it a listening party or something like that, where it was kind of that, you know, and, 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 and so other producers and engineers would come out, we would hang out, and somebody would host it at a particular studio, and then there would be, you know, four or five producers that, that, would have here's you know the latest thing i'm working on play a track and here's how it came to be and here's how we did this and that and just you know talk shop and geek out and show stuff off and yeah you know and then and then some of the 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 coolest the two coolest things about that was that a as producers um and and people who are kind of engineer minded as well the ability to just sort of like talk shop and go, Ooh, how did you get the vocal to sound like this or that? Right. Yeah. But then being able to kind of trade ideas in terms of like, here's how I discovered this artist. Here's how I was able to put the project together yeah. and get it to work. And, you know, Nuts instead of doing the label thing, we decided to go this angle or instead of going this angle, we did go with this label, but we did this other thing, you know, and just talking about, you know, kind of help, like here's the collaborative mind that I came at this whole thing with from an from an artistic production standpoint and a musical standpoint and also from a business standpoint to to get get the funding to actually make this thing and you know and and release it on some sort of in some way that it did just didn't just go didn't out into a vacuum disappear yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all that's about, cool man it's all about distribution deals these days that's a topic for a whole other podcast, yeah we'll have to do more of them yeah. man. Um, um, you know like I said these things go by but, super fast but yeah so um, but yeah man it sounds it sounds awesome dude man it sounds you know you're up and you're up and going now that's been the soft launch uh-huh. and you're gonna do a an official like yeah a bigger event or something all of our soon, january events are free and open to the public so january is just kind of a promo month so um and then we will have a community jam night every monday night um, where people that are on our member portal, which we call the the, the music community, which is basically uh, it's like LinkedIn for for music industry. Um, so that's another type of membership that's only five bucks a month. But you can come into these jam nights and you know um, show your stuff, meet other people, and then in February we'll actually be ready for members to to rent out the space. Cool. Um, and you know we're we're uh, finishing up our our scheduling application um, on our member portal right now so that um, people can just book the time in the rooms without, you know, just right there on their phone or on their computer without having to call somebody or anything else. Um, And just jump in there and treat it like it's their own space, you know, or well, (laughs) respect it. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's a community space. But the thing is, is people respect their own space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the idea is that, you know, whether you just need a great room to mix in, you know, it's, it's there or whether you just want to get in, you know, if you meet some guy, it'll be set up for plug and play rehearsals. So if you meet some people out at the beast, 
and you're like, hey, let's go jam or yeah. something, and it happens to be open, you can post up from three to five in the morning with yeah. some, you know, and yeah, right, <laughs> do whatever you want to yeah. do, man, right, you know. So you mentioned there's a there's an online aspect to it as well. So like if you're you know because people that listen to this show there's a lot of people who 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 are who aren't even in, in Tennessee you know, uh-huh. and so um, there's an opportunity for them to utilize this platform as well, right? I mean, Absolutely, um, you can actually sign up for that right now. Just go to helping helpingmusic.org. And you'll see some different stuff. Right now, most of it's pointing towards our application process. But if you scroll down to where you see the the music community option, there'll be a, a button that says join. And you just follow the little walkthrough to set up your, your profile. And um, it, it's really cool the way that it works. It's just basically a, a really great uh, directory of members that's highly searchable with a bunch of different tags skills, resources, genres, instruments, profession, uh, your bio info is tagged. So you can literally just use it like a really quick search engine to find people, um, you know, in uh, music industry that that might be able to help you with what you need, that you might be able to work with. And um, it's really kind of bizarre that nothing like that exists yeah. already, but um, yeah, that's that's cool. that's what it's built to do, and our focus isn't as much on, on pushing that as it is the physical space. But um, we we wanted to build that out to help scale it, and to um, you know basically empower the members to not you know always you know need advice or need to to be in a physical location to to network and and actually can just kind of jump in there and. And ping ideas off of each other and 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 use each other um, to, and and you know just kind of grow their team, and then uh, we'll be uh, putting a lot of uh, member content up in there. So if you do come do a, a, a workshop with us or something like that, then um, you know that'll all be uh, that content will be uploaded for you know the people in New York or Colorado or whatever that yeah. are on the app. They'll be able to. You know, find out about these production techniques or, cool. you know, watch this music business seminar or yeah. even somebody showcase if they give us the rights to, to put it up. Or right. We're going to be doing live streaming, too, to cool, where uh, our events can be uh, just streamed live straight through the app with with high-quality audio. Killer. And uh, this is kind of still a little bit uh, unannounced right now but we're even looking at building a um a, a cool like social vr space with a company um, killer uh that uh you know will be unraveling killer uh, man yeah, got the exclusive right here on the modern recordist <laughs> but uh, uh yeah i look forward i look forward to to seeing how more of the details of that unwrap unwrap um that that kind of space is is uh pretty exciting there's been uh there's been some some artists who are starting to play around with some augmented reality uh vr stuff as well that seems pretty interesting so uh, it is interesting so that's cool man yeah. awesome dude um, well, cool. So you mentioned just a second ago that the, the website, right? The website to go to yep. helpingmusic.org. Cool. If you're in Nashville and you want to uh, join, there's a simple Google form that you need to fill out. It's at 615homies.com. Sweet. Um, 
but it just redirects to a Google form. It's just Sweet. a way for you to remember the URLs. So. Cool, and we'll link all that up yeah. in the show notes and everything. Um, awesome, dude. Well, I'm going to definitely have to drop in on – I'm going to check out the calendar myself, have to drop in on some stuff that's going on this month cool. and just stay uh, connected with, with what's up because I'm glad to see this come to fruition. I know that I had said like I wanted to come through. Man, I got I, I got myself bogged down with oh, being – in, in true John Stinson fashion, overly ambitious, so I was unable to uh, between that little pain, yeah that little <laughs> week there that I thought would be free between Christmas and New Year's was not. In any case, ASAP, I'm going to come over because cool. the last time I was over there, it was an unfinished space, yeah. concrete floors. Um, I want to see what happened, man. I want to see what you did with it. Yeah. So awesome, dude. Thanks for dropping in, man. Thanks for sharing. Um, I'm really excited about this project, and I'm really excited that. Uh, uh, that it's come along, man. Yeah. You know, come from an idea. I, I'm, I'm very grateful that I've gotten to sort of be sort of in this kind of conversation with you from uh, the sort of the fruition of the idea all the way to the actual, uh, well, the fruition yeah, of the, the manifestation. Idea. Yeah, the manifestation right? of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, so, I don't even think I had a name for it the first time we talked about it. So. Killer, man. Well, right on. Thanks again for dropping in, and uh, yeah, man, we'll we'll uh, do more soon. Awesome. Thank Cheers. You. And there you have it. First episode of the Modern Recordist in 2018. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're fired up about another year ahead. Hearing from a whole bunch of visionary guests talking about all things related to making extraordinary music appreciate you all for choosing to kick off 2018 with the modern recordist and let's do make sure you get subscribed stay subscribed to the modern recordist and you can do that on itunes or stitcher so fire up your podcast app of choice search for the modern recordist click tap the subscribe button you will find there while there do make sure that you leave a rating and review good and honest ratings and reviews clue others into the value you're getting of listening to the modern recordist and it helps us to continue to produce shows with awesome guests that you enjoy hearing from also make sure you head over to our website at modernrecordist.com and sign up for the email list using any of the forms you will find all over the site this way, we can keep you up on all the latest and greatest that has to do with Modern Recordist. And this includes tipping you off to key episodes that may be of particular interest to you, cluing you in to recording techniques, songwriting tips, or discussions on creativity, and even giving you a heads up on uh, some special things that we're aiming to do and put together in the near future. All right, I'm officially done resting my mind i'm going to see if i can become a master of the universe with some new ideas and uh, a new project that i'm starting that's it for this week there's more for you next week and in the meantime go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create music that impacts the world